0: This is, this is the Devil's State of, of Mind, Mind podcast, podcast. Brought, brought to you, to by, you the by the Hockey, hockey Podcast Network. Now, here's, now your, here's host, your host, Neil Villapiano. What is going on, Devils fans? It is, as always, your host, your best friend, your confidant. Neil Villa Piano, and welcome back to another exciting edition of the Devil's State of Mind podcast, right here on the Hockey Podcast Network as well as Sportswire Radio, the best place to get everything you need to know about your new Jersey Devils. As always, guys, you already know, I hope you're having a fantastic day. I really do. I hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to this podcast episode, we are now into November. Isn't that crazy, guys, that we are pretty much almost at the, you know, I guess at the end of the first point of the first month of the season. I can't believe uh, the season started, I think, uh, what October 13th. So we're getting pretty close to it being the the end of the first month of the NHL season. So time flies when you're having fun, doesn't it? But as always, I hope you guys are having a fantastic day wherever you're listening to this podcast episode. Thank you, guys, as always, for taking time out of your day to check this episode out and all the episodes that I post. You know, I greatly appreciate it. And I really love when you guys reach out to me, you know, via DMs. or just on social media in general at Devil State on Twitter and also on Instagram at Devil State of Mind. And just tell me how much you enjoy the podcast and uh you know support it. It really means a lot to me. And as I always say to you guys, this podcast is for the fans by a fan. So that's that's my uh tra- that's my trademark saying, and it's uh it's very, very true. But thank you guys. For taking time out of your day to show your support. And again, if you like this podcast, make sure to leave me a five star rating on Apple or Spotify. It definitely goes a long way in helping this podcast continue to grow and to get more people to listen to it um, as much as possible. This podcast episode and everything we do here at the Hockey Podcast Network are sponsored, as always, by our wonderful friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Guys, We are now four games into the World Series for Major League Baseball. We actually got some Thursday night football coming up this week as the Philadelphia Eagles travel to Houston to take on the Texans. And honestly, this upcoming Saturday with college football is going to be crazy. A lot of big games coming up this week as we get closer and closer to the end of the regular season and more into the conference championship games. And we'll know more clearly as the weeks go on. Who has the chance to make the college football playoff? The NBA season with everything going on, particularly with the Brooklyn Nets, is well underway. And as we all know, and while you're here, hockey season already well underway. And with all of that going on, and it's a great time to be a sports fan. DraftKings is giving you guys tremendous opportunities to cash out and make a lot of money. So If you're a fan of making some money and uh, you feel confident about yourself when it comes to making picks for sports, I got a perfect offer for you. You go to DraftKings right now, you sign up, you use our promo code THPN, and as always, you tell them that Neil Villapiano sent you. Once again, a big shout out and thank you to our sponsors at DraftKings Sportsbook for sponsoring the Hockey Podcast Network and the Devil's State of Mind podcast. So this episode is going to be, you know, just Devils-specific because, again, with, you know, the Utica Comets, Adirondack Thunder, Metropolitan there's not a whole lot going on. But I promise you, for episode 14, we'll have a lot more with all three of those teams to talk about, including the Devils. And the Devils are coming off a very, very big win, as they all are, in my opinion, a big win over the Vancouver Canucks. And we'll kind of recap that one. We're also going to give you a major update from one of the Devils top forwards and one of their top free agent signings this past year. And it's uh it's not great. It really isn't. And then lastly, we're actually going to talk about another player that the Devils acquired during the offseason that, in my opinion, might be the most, the most important uh move that the devils made and i think it might surprise some of you but once i kind of explain why i feel this way of what this player has done so far for this team i think you might you you might uh you might change your opinion on uh, on it so uh as always guys we have a bunch to get to here on the devil's state of mind podcast so let's not waste any more time and get rolling so, let's get the bad news out of the way first, shall we? Because, obviously, this, uh, this is the most important thing we're going to talk about here on this episode. Um, you know, other than, obviously, the Devils game against Vancouver on Tuesday, but... It is an update on Andre Pilat. Now, if you remember in the last episode we talked about Andre Pilat was put on uh, IR retroactive to October 24th and that this past Monday uh, he would speak to doctors and they would give him um, a better idea as to what the next step is for him. And then, um, you know, we'd probably get some more information. And we did get a little bit more information uh, with it. And it didn't come actually until Tuesday afternoon prior to the game against the Vancouver Canucks that night. Around 3 p.m. or so on Tuesday, the Devils announced that forward Andre Pella underwent successful groin surgery following recommendations after meeting with doctors on monday he had the procedure done in philadelphia and he is expected to make a full recovery and as always because the devils and the way the nhl world is in general with telling us injuries details regarding his return to play timeline will be provide, provided excuse me as it becomes available it was a kind of a big blow uh when we found out this, um, this news, because number one, again, the, you know, because of how the devils go about telling us what players are dealing with and the severity of it. And also with NHL teams in general, we don't really have a lot of information and all we could do is just wait to see what happened after Monday. And we, hopefully we would get a clearer idea and we did get to an extent, a clear idea that Pilat did sustain a pretty severe groin injury That required surgery, which is terrible, absolutely terrible. And it sucks because Palat, who signed that five-year, $30 million contract in the offseason with the Devils, one of the bigger names uh, in free agency that the Devils were able to to sign, and had gotten off to a solid start with three goals in six games, you know, now he's going to be out long-term. And it is a pretty big blow to the Devils, less than 10 games into the season. And considering how well the Devils have been playing of late, A lot of Devils fans, including myself, immediately go to the reaction of, of course, once the Devils start having good things happen, something really annoying and really bad has to happen. Right. Like that is the immediate feeling you get from this injury. And it sucks. It really, really does suck because I was I could see how Palat was starting to really get going and start clicking with the team. And now he's going to be out long term. Uh, Amanda Stein asked head coach Lindy Ruff about the lack of a timeline and Lindy Ruff responded that will depend on a post-surgery evaluation plot will have in a few days. So he did have the surgery. So now we'll see how things progress over the next couple of days. I would imagine if the devils do give us a timeline, that it won't be until next week. That's the way I look at it. Cause by then we'll have a couple of days and we'll know. So I think, I think if, and again, capital I, capital F, if, The Devils do indeed give us a timeline. We will know more about it um, later on. Now, here's the thing that I wanted to talk to you about because a lot of you, I'm sure, would have questions of, well, how long possibly could Palat be out uh, with this uh, injury and now recovering from surgery? Well, when I was looking around doing my research about this type of injury, particularly for hockey players, because when you look it up on – You know, when you look up just what is the timeline for a groin surgery, if you are not doing, um, you know, a lot of movement and, you know, you're not playing a sport, you could return to work in like a week or two. So that wasn't going to give me a whole lot of information. So I decided to look up, you know, how long does it take for a player to recover from groin surgery? in hockey. And I came across an article that was written by Pensburg, which is the Pittsburgh Penguins SB Nation website, and this article was back in 2019 when their top player Sidney Crosby had a similar injury. And in the article itself, they put in the a series of tweets from an athletic trainer who's also a Pittsburgh Penguins fan who explained the severity and recovery time of an injury like this. And I'm going to read to you this uh, thread that this um, that this person put out that uh, may give us a better idea as to where you know you know what the situation is with Andre Platt. Uh This person said, "Quote: A sports hernia is very highly core." Cor- excuse me, correlated to hockey so much that it's often referred to as a hockey hernia. It involves powerful twisting mechanisms, and that's basically hockey. As such, recovery is a bit tricky, and surgery is often suggested, so you can rest this depending on the degree and be successful. But with hockey being your sport, it's likely to still pose a problem since you can't exactly avoid the mechanism of the injury. In other words, Sidney Crosby is going to likely have surgery. Which again, this is what Pelot did. Now, the part you actually care about: return to play. The conservative range is six to twelve weeks. The, I'll read that again. The conservative range is six to twelve weeks. So I'd put sit in the middle there, considering his age and sport and importance. I'd venture they'll sl- they'll slow play they'll slow play it a bit. End quote. Um, Sorry about, you know, throwing, uh you know, stopping and uh, being confused. Just, just trying to, you know, read it and again. This is from Twitter. So it's not always exactly, you know, 100% um, clear. So why do I bring this up? When Sidney Crosby got hurt and dealt with this, he was 32 years of age. just back in 2019. Palat, at, at this time right now, is 31 years of age. So at the minimum, he is out the next six weeks. That is the minimum. In my opinion, again, I don't have confirmation of this. Again, if, if we're going off of if Lindy Ruff is telling the truth that we will get a better understanding of a timeline in the next couple of days, you know, then we'll go. Then, then we'll know more. But just based off of the information I was able to gather and the research that I was able to do, it seems like at least Andre Pallad is out the next six weeks. And so and, and again, everybody's different from everything I saw. Everything is different. Everybody reacts to these things differently. Everybody's body is different. So this is a very important thing to understand when you look at this situation, that if the Devils, like they normally do, just continue to say that he's progressing and stuff, and it's been more than six weeks, that will tell you that he is just not progressing as quickly as some other guys. And so I think the Devils may actually treat Palat the same way that the Penguins in 2019 handled Sidney Crosby, that. You know, they are not going to try to push this, although he's a very important part of the team. They're going to try to allow him to recover the safest and best way possible. And so when I say that, when I say there's a minimum of at least six weeks, I firmly believe that it will be more than six weeks unless, you know, a miracle really happens. And we probably won't see Andre Pallot back in the lineup playing until sometime later this season in 2023 so i would say maybe like late december early january it's probably a relatively realistic um you know idea as to where palat you know might be able to come back so that's kind of the way that i look at it um and shout out to um Pensburg for uh this article by the way really appreciate it and i'm actually going to leave the link to the article when I make the post on Twitter so you guys can check it out yourselves and get an idea, an even clearer idea as to what I just read. So the bottom line of this all is that it is unfortunate that Palat is injured. It does continue to make me question about the Devils training staff because it just seems like that when guys come here, they deal with injuries that they weren't dealing with before and they end up being out longer usually than we'd like. Although, to be fair, Niko sure you know, he missed one game with his injury and was able to come back and has been playing well ever since. So, again, I don't want to catastrophize this in any way. I don't want to even say that Palat's injury, you know, it's going to be season-ending or whatever. It just sucks that he will not be a part of this team um, for a good amount of time. The good news also about this is that and I was thinking about this, is that, well, the Devils have still been playing well and winning without him in the lineup. Now, eventually, the Devils are going to miss Palat a bunch when we have periods where we're not scoring. Because trust me, this offense that we're seeing, you know, unless we really, really get lucky, it's not going to be super consistent all year long. Although that would be best case scenario. There's going to be times where we need other guys to step up and not having Pilat in there for the veteran presence and the goal scoring and the abilities that he's able to have, it's going to be unfortunate. So again, we will see what happens over the next couple of days if we get an idea or more of a definitive timeline as to how long Pilat will be out. But again, based off of what I've been able to come across, I would say the minimum is six weeks. So we won't see him uh, for quite some time. And as always, we're hoping for a speedy recovery. But again, very, very unfortunate news that Andre Pilot did have successful groin surgery following recommendations after meeting with the doctors on Monday, expected to make a full recovery. And uh, down the road, we will get more details on his timeline and things like that once it becomes available. This is all according to the New Jersey Devils themselves. So big loss. and We'll see how the Devils can respond to this and try to move forward as best as they can. So now let's shift to the game that that happened, you know, after all this injury uh, news came out later on in the evening, and that was the Devils' first game of their Western Canada road trip, traveling to British Columbia to take on the Vancouver Canucks. And the Devils came into this game looking to get their first four-game winning streak since 2019. The Devils had a three-game winning streak earlier this season, but as we all know, last week they lost in blowout fashion at home to the Washington Capitals, which prevented them from getting to said four-game winning streak. But the Devils have bounced back, gotten three wins in a row, and are now looking to try to get that, you know, elusive four wins in a row for the first time in over three, or almost, yeah actually now it's over three years. The Vancouver Canucks, obviously one of the biggest storylines throughout the early going to the season and not in a good way. A lot of blown leads in the first handful of games and really struggling out of the gate. And while they had been off to what I would consider to be a pretty terrible start, they had been getting some wins and playing better of late. So the Devils knew that this was going to be a challenge regardless and that they couldn't take the Canucks lightly. The Devils decided to go back to Mackenzie Blackwood after three straight wins from Vitek Vanacek. Blackwood coming off from his last game, that drubbing that uh, he sustained against the Capitals, um, and he's looking to try to bounce back and get his fourth win of the early season. One kind of cool thing was that the Vancouver Canucks were rocking for the first time this season, their Johnny Canuck reverse retro unis, which once I actually saw them on the ice, I liked them even more. And I know people were very critical of the number on the top left side of the Jersey and saying like, if they just remove that, it's perfect. I think honestly, it adds a very cool, you know, old school type of look to it. And I still think it's perfect. Honestly, it's one of my top three favorite reverse retro jerseys. And by the way, Speaking of reverse retro jerseys, if you haven't checked out my reverse retro jersey review that I posted a couple of weeks ago with my good friend Nate Thomas, uh, please go check out that episode as well as we did a complete rundown of all, of all of the reverse retro jerseys and we ranked them and reviewed them together. So make sure you go check that out. But again, it's a big game because uh, this is against an opponent that you should be and you're on the road and you want to get off to a good start on the Western Canada road trip. And I will say throughout pretty much the entire first period, to be quite honest, the Devils just looked sluggish. I don't know if it was because of the change of time zone or something like that, but they just looked off throughout most of the period, except Mackenzie Blackwood, who really, really wanted to come in and uh, have a statement. And he's had a lot of success against the Vancouver Canucks, 4-0, going into this one all-time. So clearly, Lindy Ruff, I'm sure that was a big... uh, part in his decision-making to play Blackwood. But Blackwood did indeed step up with a couple of good saves, including a partial breakaway. He stopped all 10 shots that he faced in the first period. Now, despite the Devils' offense being sluggish, they still were able to get themselves a couple of goals and grab a lead after the first period. It started with the Devils on the power play, about four and a half minutes into the first period, and an absolute, and I mean, would I say this with a capital A, an absolute gorgeous pass from Jesper Brett right to the stick of Nico Heischer, who just slightly taps it in, top-shelf it in, and the Devils grab the one nothing lead, Nico Heischer getting his fifth of the year. But more importantly, with that assist, Jesper Brett... Ties Tim Higgins for the longest point streak in franchise history to open the season at 10 games. So, Brett now has gotten a point in each of the Devils' first 10 games. So, Jesper Brett continuing to put up numbers tying some records and getting a lot of recognition. And this is phenomenal for a guy who obviously is taking a gamble on himself, playing on that one-year deal. And so far he has run with it, and it is phenomenal. So the Devils grab a one nothing lead. Congrats to Jesper Brett on tying that record. And we'll see if he can break the record um, um, during Thursday, ge- Thursday night's game in Edmonton against the Oilers. Much later in the period, kind of towards the end of the period, Devils' fourth line is on, which I really do enjoy watching the fourth line of Bastion Wood and Michael McLeod. They seem to bring a lot of energy, and they all kind of, you know, have a little bit that they all use together that works very, very well, and the chemistry is great. But the fourth line in the offensive zone, Bastion just throws the puck on net. That's stopped by Demko, but it goes right. To Michael McLeod, who's standing on the other side, wide open, he taps it in for his first of the year, and the Devils make it two nothing after one period of play. And Michael McLeod, who you know you remember last year, the last several years, we joked so much about the fact that you know this man cannot score, and now finally that he got his first NHL goal, he's finally been able to have a little bit of scoring, and that was a good, g- great position. If you watch the goal that McLeod scored, he was in absolutely perfect position on that open side there, easily able to tap it in. Now, I'm just going to say this because I don't want you guys to think that I don't know what's going on. With everything that has happened with Hockey Canada and the whole sexual abuse that happened with Michael McLeod, who was on the team that this woman is accusing of the junior players of, we still don't have all the information. I really, really do hope that McLeod was not involved in this, although... More and more signs point to it. I do wonder if everything, when everything eventually comes out through this investigation, um, that, you know, I, I wonder to myself, what will the devils do if Michael McLeod was involved? I really wonder that. I really wonder what they would do in that situation. Um, but, you know, it, it's it's and it, it really is an unfortunate thing as well. It really is. And it's it's terrible that that woman had to go through those horrific traumas. And uh, I will not go after Michael McLeod until all the evidence comes out. That's the way that I look at it. I'm not saying anything like I don't think the woman's telling the truth or anything like that. I just want all of the information out in the public. That's what I want. I want it all out there. I want everyone to tell the honest truth and we go from there. So I'm going to leave it at that. As far as going back to the ice again, great position for Michael McLeod to be in. Knocks it home, gets his first of the year. Two nothing Devils after one period of play. Now going into the second period, the Devils definitely did wake up. They definitely were able to get their offense back to where we've seen it before, putting pucks on the net, just creating pressure. And then about halfway through the second period, uh, Canucks were on the power play, and it was just with a couple seconds left to go on it. And... Dawson Mercer is able to intercept the puck and create a two on one. He feeds it over to Sharon Govich. They come up the other side of the ice and then Sharon Govich with a gorgeous cross crease pass to a streaking Dawson Mercer who's able to knock it home top shell beating Demko and the Devils get another shorthanded goal and Dawson Mercer gets his fourth of the year and it's three nothing Devils. And that lead only lasted a little more than two minutes later because the Devils again, they have the puck in their own zone. John Marino. Very similar to how Damon Severson made that pass a couple weeks ago uh, against the Islanders to Jack Hughes, who scored. Marina makes a gorgeous three-quarters of the length of the ice pass to Jesper Boquist as he's going up the ice. They stay on sides. Boquist feeds it over to Sharon Govich, who just pushes the puck on a tip into the net, and he scores his third of the year, and the Devils make it 4 nothing. Two great passes. The first from John Marino, who continues to be phenomenal for the Devils this year. And then a great pass from Boquist to Sharon Gobich. And I will say this. Say what you want about Boquist and everything. You know, him being a very up-and-down player. He is starting again to gain some confidence. He had a lot of confidence late in last season, and now he's starting to get going here. Gets himself an assist on the Sharon Govich goal. And again, Four nothing Devils with about a little more than eight minutes to go in the second period. So at this point, the Devils pretty much are in full control of this game. Now, later on in the period, Michael McLeod behind the Canucks net. He gets boarded from behind. He gets cross-checked in the back. His head goes right into the boards. For some reason, no penalty is called. Miles Wood, hats off to him, took major exception to this and got into a fight with Luke Shen, who made the hit. And obviously, there was a couple of good punches thrown by both sides, a couple guys go down, and there was a long time where the refs couldn't fully make, you know, an idea as to what the penalties were. And throughout all of this, at the end of all this, the Canucks ended up on the power play, which was so stupid. I don't understand how the Devils end up getting all the instigator penalties and yada, yada, yada. It was just, it was very, very bad. And the Canucks took advantage of it because just a couple seconds into the power play, Bo Horvat standing in the slot snipes it past Blackwood, who was kind of going from right to left, just could not get back in time. He scores. Canucks get on the on the score sheet. Devils give up a very rare, at least early on the season, very rare power play goal and it's 4-1 to Devils, and that was the score after two periods. So you go into the third period up by three, and you just didn't want to give the Canucks any sort of hope that they could come back in this one. You wanted to lock it down. But I will say this, and again, this might be because the Devils were up by three and that they were pretty much, even at that point, still in control of the game. It felt like the Devils just kind of backed off a bunch. They weren't as aggressive as they were in the second period, and uh, they were less sluggish than they were in the first period, but still kind of sluggish. Um, and they still ended up actually outshooting the Vancouver Canucks. Now, again, this is based off of shots on goal, which you guys already know my feelings about, you know, shots on goal and things like that. But again, Devils were still being able to control the game. And then another bad penalty, I think this one was on Jonas Siegenthaler, um, led to another power play goal from Horvat in the same spot that he scored the first one. And the reason that I'm not happy about this one more is because Blackwood let it squeak under his legs in it. it was kind of a soft goal to give up. It was one of those where you say to Blackwood, you got to make that stop. You have to. And it's it's frustrating. Um, and it's 4-2 to two Devils at this point with 2.48 left. And you're feeling very uneasy because you're like, 2.48 is a lot of time. And it's only a two-goal lead. But luckily, luckily, with a little bit less than a minute to go, Jack Hughes just in his own zone firing the puck down the ice into the empty net. He gets an empty net goal, his fourth goal overall of the year, and it puts the game on ice as the Devils come away with a relatively easy 5-2 win in Vancouver over the Canucks. And with that win, the Devils now have a four-game winning streak for the first time since the period of October 6th to October 16th of 2019 so it has certainly been a while been over three years since the last time the devils had a four game winning streak which again kind of tells you a lot about where this devils team has been for the last several years blackwood despite giving up that soft goal still had a solid performance stopping 21 of 23 shots he gets a bounce back win in his fourth win of the year and the devils get off on the right foot on this three game western canada road trip now Their next game is a major, major test against one of the tougher teams in the NHL, and that is Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisidel, and the Edmonton Oilers on Thursday night in Edmonton. That game will be at 9 p.m. Eastern, so a little bit earlier than uh, the game against Vancouver. So luckily for us here in New Jersey watching it, you know, we might get a chance to go to bed a little bit earlier um, than we did before. But overall— Really, really solid job by the team. Again, adding, you know, f- four-plus goals, which is obviously important. And the Devils moving their record to 7-3-0. and, three, seven, three and So that is where the Devils are after 10 games. Now, just keep in mind, I'm really trying not to be a Debbie Downer, but I'm trying to be cautiously optimistic. At this time last year, the Devils, through 12 games, were 7-3-2. and two. So, you know, just keep that in mind. And we'll see where the Devils are after these two games against uh, Edmonton and then Calgary on Saturday. Just want to see. Just want to see. I mean, it would be kind of funny, although not that funny, but it would be kind of funny if the Devils lost the next two games in overtime or shootout. And at this point, again, after 12 games, you're 7-3-2. and two. I personally don't think that will happen. I feel confident that the Devils can beat anybody. The way the Devils have been playing right now, there's no reason why I why I can't believe that the Devils – can't win any game that they play against anybody. So, of course, I feel confident Devils can win on Thursday against the Oilers. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough to try to slow down both Dreisaitl and McDavid. But if you could slow those guys down, you give yourself a much better chance to uh, to win that game. And if the Devils just continue to play firewagon hockey, continue to push the pace when it comes to their offense and in the offensive zone, they will be fine. And again, obviously, as long as goaltending continues to be solid. Don't know if the Devils will go back to Blackwood or Vanacek, but it's still pretty early on as far as who we think is more of the number one goaltender at this moment. So we shall see. But good start to the road trip. Let's keep this thing rolling, baby. Hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, you're in for the season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. And there's so many different opportunities out there because hockey is, as I always say, a magical, unpredictable sport. You never know what type of game you're going to get. You might get a couple of opportunities here and there, but with matchups like even the big events, like the Winter Classic that's coming up or any of these outdoor games, All-Star Games, big matchups against the defending cup champion, Colorado Avalanche, and so much more. DraftKings, as always, is giving you huge opportunities to get major cash prizes. And that wasn't enough. Excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Here's what you got to do. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use our promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN, TBPN, or TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the National Hockey League. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Now the last thing I wanted to talk to you guys about here on this edition of the devil state of mind podcast, I want to talk to you about one of the more important players that I have seen this, this devil's team have through the first 10 games. And it's not somebody that I think a lot of enough people are talking about. I will say that there are a bunch of people that are talking about it um, on social media, but I want to talk about it as well here on the podcast and that, Is John Marino. John Marino has been nothing short of phenomenal this year so far through his first 10 games as a devil. In 10 games played so far, he has one goal, four assists, and a very impressive plus minus of plus eight. So you love to see that. He's done a great job of slowing and ultimately stopping some big time players we've already faced. You know, Nathan McKinnon, Miko Rantanen, Johnny Gaudreau, Patrick Liney, to name a few. He has really been that shutdown defenseman. Even if he's on the third pairing, you know, there, he has been nothing short. And in that game against Columbus last week, Lindy Ruff did speak about the fact that, that Marino was on the ice every single time that Johnny Gaudreau was on the ice as well. He made it a point to do that. I'd be curious to know what. Um, what Lindy Ruff might do with Marino when taking on, you know, the likes of Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl on Thursday. I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, decides to do the same thing that he did against Columbus. And you have to remember that this is just one of the handful of moves that you got to give Fitzgerald his due, because it's nothing short of a masterclass when it comes to acquiring some top-level talent. Remember, back in the summer, he acquired John Marino literally in a one-for-one deal from Pittsburgh in exchange for Ty Smith. And I know that some people were saying it's unfair that Ty Smith has already been dealt away and kind of given up on after two seasons. But to be fair, Ty Smith did have a pretty bad sophomore year, and John Marino was available with also some control for the next couple of years at a relatively young age as well. So this was an opportunity to upgrade the defense and have him around for several years, which is important. And when you talk about Ty Smith, here's something you have to understand. He has not played a single game yet for the Penguins this year. Uh, He did not make the team out of training camp. He did ultimately get cut and sent down to the AHL affiliate, the Scranton Wilkes-Barre Penguins. And he's actually had a pretty decent start to the AHL year. In eight games played, he has two goals, three assists, and a plus-minus rating of plus-two. But still, for what Marino has already done through 10 games as a devil, comparatively to Ty Smith, who's playing down in the minors, I think this is, again, another job freaking well done by Tommy Fitz. I mean, this is just, again, him being able to take advantage of a team that needed to move some salary with the Devils having salary to maneuver with. So that was great. Now. John Marino actually will achieve a milestone uh, Thursday night against the Oilers. He currently is on 199 career games played. So this, um, barring something crazy, if he plays against the Oilers on Thursday, it will be career game number 200 for John Marino in his young career. So congratulations, um, you know, up front to John Marino on reaching that milestone. And again, like I mentioned before. His next big test and the defense's next big test will be Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl and the Edmonton Oilers on Thursday night in Edmonton. This would be a statement-type win. We had a statement win against Colorado at home, but that was at home, to be fair. But this time, we're in Edmonton taking on two of the top players in the NHL, guys who are tremendous and really at the prime of their career. And if you look at Connor McDavid and how fast he's able to maneuver around everybody, you know, it's not going to be a walk in the park. It's not. But our defense has been solid so far. And this is going to be a big test. But if we can find a way to get a win, whether it's in regulation, overtime, or the shootout, doesn't matter. Getting a win on the road against a tough team like Edmonton, who's right there with us, same record, 7-3-0, and get themselves a stable win will definitely continue to create more confidence and belief in this team that they can be, they can beat anybody and they're just as good as anybody else. In the NHL, so second of the three-game Western Canada road trip, it's not going to get any easier from here, and all we can do is hope that this Devils team can continue their really really good level of play and also and come away with a win against Edmonton, and then and we will recap this game as well. The Devils, after the game on Thursday, will travel to another part of Alberta and take on the Calgary Flames in calgary for the first of a home and home because after the game against calgary in calgary devils will fly back for a couple of home games at you know in in new jersey and their first game of that homestand will be tuesday night against the calgary flames so a very strange home and home against the flames but nonetheless gonna be two very tough games starts thursday night let's see if the devils can continue their really good level of play and ultimately get some more big time wins and get some of the better teams in the NHL.